Hey everyone, it's Rich Bennett, host of Conversations with Rich Bennett, bringing you an exciting chance to win with our latest giveaway sponsored by Tar Heel Construction Group. Get ready to make a splash just by tuning into the podcast. Yes, you heard that right. While you're soaking up our latest episodes, listen closely for a special splash sound. When you hear it, remember the episode name. Here's what you do next. Shoot us an email at podcast at harfordcountyliving.com with the episode title. Each splash sound means a new chance to win. So the more you listen, the better your chances. If you don't have email, then just leave a voicemail from our website at conversationswithrichbennett.com. What's the prize? How about a brand new waterproof Bluetooth speaker? Perfect for listening to our episodes, whether you're in the bath, on the beach, in the pool or on the go. You have until the end of May to send in your entries and we'll announce the lucky winner on June 3rd. Don't miss out on this splashy opportunity brought to you by Tar Heel Construction Group. Dive into our episodes and win big. When disco diva Dolores Van Cartier witnesses a murder, she is put in protective custody in the one place the cops are sure she won't be found. A convent. Disguised as a nun, she finds herself at odds with both the rigid lifestyle and uptight Mother Superior. Using her unique disco moves and singing talent to inspire the choir, Dolores breathes new life into the church and community, but in doing so, blows her cover. Soon, the gang is given chase only to find them up against Dolores and the power of her newly found sisterhood. Filled with powerful gospel music, outrageous dancing, and a truly moving story, Sister Act will leave audiences breathless. A sparkling tribute to the universal power of friendship, Sister Act is reason to rejoice. And right now, the Scott Field Theater Company presents Sister Act, April 5th, 6th, 7th, 12th, 13th and 14th at the Havity Grace Opera House. Go to hdgoperahouse.org to get your tickets now. What is public health? What are the areas of public health? Why would somebody go to college to be a doctor, but instead change their mind and decide to get into public health? These are questions that we're going to answer for you on this episode of Harford County Living. We actually sat down with people from the Harford County Health Department and discussed this because the first week of April is National Public Health Week. So sit back and relax and enjoy this episode of Harford County Living with the Harford County Health Department. Welcome, everybody, to Harford County Living. On this episode, we are sitting here with people from the Harford County Health Department again, and we are focusing on Public Health Week, yes. right? 
April 1st through um, Saturday, April 6th. So we have, we have Dr. Moy here, Mallory, Molly, Rania, and Shelby. So we'll start with Rania. What is public health? So public, <laughs> that's a, well, it's a great question. I mean, if basically it is what it is, it's caring about the public's health. So it's really interesting because there's so many different components to public health um, that a lot of people don't understand. I mean, just itself, like we're health policy analysts, there's policy, there's clinical services, there's um, behavioral services. Uh, but I mean, there's really no full definition. Like you can't just Google it and say, this is what public right. health is. But our goal is to take care of the health for the public. And main goal is prevention. So that's basically what we focus on is prevention. So we want to get to people before they start having symptoms. So, I mean, I can go on and on about like the, you know, the boring educational things. Like we have primary care, secondary care, tertiary care, but. I want to say that's boring. (laughs) In the past, I mean, I've learned something new each time. So I want to say it's boring. So we basically care. Our our goal is to kind of get that primary care first, which is the prevention getting people before anything happens to them. Now, okay, you, with the health department, Mm -hmm. and public health, of course, we're talking about public health, how many different departments are there? In the health department? Yeah, in in your, in In the public health department. So we have um, administration, we have um, behavioral health, we have environmental health, we have family health services, care coordination, and clinical health health services (laughs) and i think i think one of the things that and i've had people come up and ask me this question which i I don't know why they ask me i guess they think i work at the health department i don't know (laughs) um but a lot of it seems like a lot of people that i've talked to they don't still don't realize all the stuff you do for the public in other words a lot of them think like we did the one at the restaurant Oh, yeah. They think, oh, yeah, okay, well, they only go out and inspect restaurants or the wells. They, like the dental clinic, when, when I told them about that, and all the other things you do where the public can come in, a lot of them don't realize that. Mm-hmm. It's true. And, and I guess that's one of the, I know you guys, we're, the word's getting out there more and more, mm-hmm. and uh, I think more people are being aware of it. After all, you did have somebody posing as me call you, which is Um but what are other ways to get it out there to let people know? About the health department and the services? Yeah. Um, then we'll get back to public health week here. Yeah. Right? But I, I, that's still, I mean, I know more people mm-hmm. are being aware of it. And the thing we got coming up May 3rd, I'm hoping that helps. I just want everybody to know. I'm still just shocked at how many people don't know. That's a great question. And it's something that we've kind of, like, since I've been here, I've only been here for six years, but, like, six years of trying to get, the demographic mm-hmm. from everyone from birth to death to understand the services that we provide, it's really challenging because they use all kinds of different media, um, word of mouth. It, you know, they could just see a poster somewhere. Right. So it's really, it's just hard to get t- for the public to understand all the services or. They know we have a service, but not necessarily associated with the health department. So somebody could get a birth certificate, but not know that they had to go to the health department for the birth certificate. Yeah, it's funny you say it, because I was going to ask that question. You know, with the new DMV rules, I I mean, how hard is it for somebody like me, old, 
to get my birth certificate. It's really easy, actually. You just walk in. It's twenty bucks, and you just need your ID, and you can pay with a card or um, cash. And it doesn't take long. I mean, you're only here for probably, I would say, like thirty minutes, like max. So it doesn't matter even if I wasn't born in Hartford County? You no, got... you just have to be born in Maryland. Really? Mm-hmm. And born in the state of Maryland. But we actually get a lot of birth certificate questions um, through our website, and a lot of them are, they need a birth certificate from a different state, and our vital records um, person is actually really great at kind of directing them to the appropriate place to get their okay. birth certificate. But so they actually need to come answer. in to do it. Yes. Okay. There's an application online that you can you can print and fill out ahead of time, so you're not filling it out here, but you have to apply in person. Have you guys been busy with that since that started? <laughs> I've been working yeah. it all. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's because of that um, <clears throat> new federal yeah. Real ID Act, where um, your truck, your your driver's license uh, basically serves as a real identification, but in order to get that, you have to have a birth certificate. So everybody's coming in um, to try to get all that in order. Yeah, because when I read them, like, uh, and I see all these people complaining, and it was weird because he said from like a certain age on back, mm-hmm. or a certain year on back, they were having problems. Well, that's because mm-hmm. it, in the old days, um, each jurisdiction, like yeah. Baltimore City did its own birth certificates, Baltimore County did its own, and then after a certain year, uh, I forgot what year it was, but then the state of Maryland took over the whole thing. So so they're not the same birth certificates right. all the time. And for ID, any photo ID to get it, right? or So you really need a certified birth certificate. So there's a lot of... No, I mean to get a copy of your birth certificate from here. What kind of ID would you need? Oh, you could do a passport or your you driver's right, license. Right. Okay, driver's license work. Okay. Yes. Good, because I don't have yeah, a passport. Yeah, but you need. <laughs> but what if you need your driver's license and you don't have, and you don't have a birth certificate, but you need your license oh. to get your birth certificate? I don't I know if you answered that. that. I'm just thinking. Okay, let's get back to National Public <laughs> Health Week. Yeah. Um, all right, first week in April, mm-hmm. and why is it important to Harford County, and why is it important in general? So Mallory can answer too, and Shelby. Okay. This is kind of your thing, but I mean, <laughs> <laughs> great answer. <laughs> well, I think the importance of of recognizing Public Health Week is just helping to raise awareness about what public health is, why local health departments are so valuable in your community, and just educating people on what exactly public health is from right. all aspects. So we. Being a local health department, public health being our primary focus, we really try to get involved in different public health activities every first week of April. So it varies from year to year. We try and get staff involved, um, do a lot with social media, um, with participating in Twitter chats and doing this podcast. So it goes back to to, I think, your original question, what, what is public health? So what you heard is that's the sort of the colloquial answer right. that everybody gives. The more um, academic answer, I guess, would be, so public health looks at the health of the community, the whole population, whereas versus personal health. That's when you go to your own doctor. Right. So your own doctor will take care of one patient at a time. That's the health care most people are used to. This whole concept of public health, population health, that's something that folks don't quite understand. And what that is, those kind of organized efforts that the community takes 
to improve the health of the entire population, whether it's in a county, in the state, okay. in the country. So all of those kind of organized activities, people aren't even aware of that. And that's what you're asking. What are all these population-based, community-based services that we do? Because all they know of healthcare is I go to my doctor. You know, I get blood pressure right. checked and that kind of thing. But they don't know about these more organized uh, efforts that looks at the entire health of, of the community. So that's what Public Health, National Public Health Week does, is it helps people understand, gee, there's this thing that they didn't even know. I mean, who knows what public health is? Right. It's this whole area that looks at the entire community's health. So to piggyback off of that, so the theme actually for National Public Health this week is creating the healthiest nation. So it's not creating the healthiest person, it's creating the healthiest nation. So we're looking... At the entire nation. So it's creating the healthy, healthiest nation for science, for action, and for health. Creating a healthy nation helps make each person healthier. That's exactly right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, the, um, wait a minute, what is the theme again? Creating the healthiest nation for action, or for science, for action, and for health. So each of those parts have, you know, different meanings for them. For science is definitely something that is um, becoming really big right now. Mm-hmm. Um just the topic itself. So a lot of things that move us as public health kind of professionals or anybody in public public health is something that's called evidence-based science. So basically this evidence-based science means that this has happened but we've we've tested this and okay. it has worked. So this is basically kind of like our motive like this is why we do certain things. And we're really trying to push that out as public health professionals because you know we don't do things just to do things you know we have a reason behind them and the main reason is that we have tested it and it works so that's kind of like the first science um thing for action is basically saying that we need to take more of an advocacy role to promote science to promote these things that do work and then obviously for health is to goes back that we're doing this to um protect the health of the nation Stay with us. We'll be right back. So for that week, mm-hmm. are you guys, is there anything that's going to be going on in the county where you guys are going to be out there or? Um, no, to, really not. Well, we'll be out there essentially cyber. Yeah. We'll be but, but cyberly involved. Yeah. But um we really just try and get our staff educated on the value of okay. of working at the health department and educating them on what public health is. I mean... You see, it's a hard concept. It is a hard yeah. concept. And, and so even as we're talking about right now, you might be wondering, okay, kind of understand this email population and person, but one, if you just pick a topic, pick a health topic, and we'll kind of like help you take that one example to understand the difference between personal health and population health. The one that still blew me away was uh, dental and the Mm -hmm. kids. Okay, so that's a perfect example. So with dental, so if your teeth hurt, you're just going to go to the dentist, and that dentist is going to take care of you individually. But if you now look at the health of the community, this this is what public health does. They will actually set up a, a program for all schools in the county, and we have that, right. to apply dental sealants. That's a preventive measure where they just s- sort of apply a little plastic coating on the kids' teeth so that they don't get cavities as easily. So we have dental hygienists going to every school every school in the elementary schools. I, don't, I think it's grade two or three, I don't know, 
and all they do is just apply this thing, and what will happen then is dental decay as a population mm -hmm. will decrease in this county. So that's what population health does, programs okay. like that, versus you just go to the dentist to get your tooth extracted. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it chills up my spine now, that extraction. Oh, God. Uh, I was going to piggyback on what Molly said, and I think uh, what Dr. Moy kind of demonstrated that further is that a lot of what we do in public health is just so interconnected mm -hmm. and a lot of what public health is about is breaking down silos so it can be easy you know even for our staff to kind of lose track of what we're doing in the bigger community so part of public health week is hey what you're doing is connected with other people in this department what you're doing connects you with other people in this community you make a difference you're out there you know whether you are the person doing the budgets in the back whether you are somebody filing paperwork for permits upstairs and environmental we are all working together to break down silos and to help the community so dental that took partnership in the schools that mm -hmm. took a clinic that took our budget people that took applying for grants it just takes a whole team approach and it takes all these people from different backgrounds be it public health nursing, regular nursing, social work, uh, infectious disease, um, administration, just people with all these backgrounds come together in order to tackle these big community problems. And a lot of people just kind of don't know that we do these things. So that's a big part of what this week is about. So just to follow that, one thing about dental, so we look at all the health benefits, but we also look at the cost benefits. So there are studies that show that for every $1 um, applied to a dental sealant program, you save $11 in dental costs down the road when you have to extract teeth or do whatever. So $1 will save $11. And those are the kinds of preventive measures that public health does across the board. It's just that people don't, don't understand it or don't know what it is. <laughs> well, I think from what I'm getting, getting to is, I guess the biggest difference between public health and say, one person going to your, you know, one-on-one -on -one with a doctor you guys are out there to help the community mm -hmm. and make a difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah, most of the time you hear that about nonprofits and all, but no, you guys, everyone here and that works under the health department is out mm -hmm. for the community to help, to help them. Yeah. And that's why it's really important too for us to, as like public health people, to advocate for funding to help us and to help our programs because that's kind of what, like, that's what keeps us going. So. It is important that, I mean, this is like a huge part of our job is to continue to advocate for funding for public health so that we do create those programs like the dental sealants. And we bring, like, we're spending this much, but we're getting right. a lot back in return. So we do a lot of that. I mean, for you guys, cause, I mean, well, you've all been on the podcast before, but for each thing, and I'm sure you've been out to the different things, I mean, just to you when you're, seeing a dental clinic helping a little child or, or somebody else. I mean, how does it feel to you? I mean, does it like, I think, you know, do you feel it inside? I mean, just like the reward? I think it can be hard. Like sometimes a lot of what we do isn't interfacing with the community. And then we have days, like last week, uh, we did a focus group for our new, uh, our new venture, Megan's Place, which is a place for um, women and families to come and have resources to have healthier, more resilient families. Um, and oh. we did a focus group with some of the families mm -hmm. and we got to actually sit yeah. there and we're having kids playing with it or yeah. throwing things at me. In my case, throwing things at you. Um, like now you know how babies. it feels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh yeah, I forget about this. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, we get to engage with those people and we get to 
meet the meet the people that we're actually doing all this work for and actually getting to see them enjoying these spaces that we've made and Puts a smile to your face, doesn't it? Yeah, it just feels good. So so I think you're asking what drives public health people because you don't make a lot of money in public health. (laughs) So what is it that drives people to to be public health? You're right, because that was going to be another question. So so, so, so I'll just tell you like one example for me because I came actually came from private practice. So I was like taking care of patients one on one, Mm -hmm. and you make a whole lot more money doing that (laughs) than coming here and and doing, doing public health. And actually, I had to transition my own mindset as to well, I'm going to go from personal health to public health. So I could just say the first year I was in public health, one of the very first things I did was try to address a problem with teen pregnancy in Baltimore City. Mm-hmm. So to do that, I did the research, and I, and I read a 10-page uh, position paper. To see that position paper, the ideas that go into this position paper, the research, and these are just words on a piece of paper. To see that then translate into funding and then the building of a clinic in a neighborhood that otherwise would never have had that clinic. To see it go from paper to um, bricks and mortar right. and to see people now walking in and out, to see all how the community has the benefit, just to see that whole thing, to know if I hadn't written that 10-page paper, <laughs> Makes this, you feel never, good, this never would have happened. And the public health people... They get a big high just from that thing. Not right. everybody gets a big high from that. But public health people, when they can do that, that's a big high, and then they keep keep, keep going. And that's what these guys are talking about when they talk it's about the little, place. It's the little victories, I think, <laughs> that, that turned into bigger, like, that turned but, into bigger victories. Um, like, I know... And it feels good. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it, it really does push you into doing more things than to see the one little thing that you did and how that affects this small group of people and how, you know, public health, you can have these, like, even though it's this little change in this, like, big problem, it's mm-hmm. still better than a, a big change in, like, a tiny problem. Like, we're working on those, you know, those small change, or those small changes that can turn into this big this big change and that's kind of what motivates people to keep going and throughout the years i mean have you seen a change for the better with i guess through with all the different departments so absolutely we've seen changes <laughs> but, but it doesn't happen like right away right it no, be nice yeah. years and decades right so so my experience in public health started at the state level so there was a time when, as I said, teen pregnancy was mm-hmm. a real big problem, especially in Baltimore City. That has improved dramatically over the last several decades. Yes. And that, you know, we're now sort of in the middle instead of being like number one. There was a time when Maryland had the worst cancer rate as a state in the entire country. That has improved dramatically, dramatically. Now we're really? sort of, yes, very wow. dramatically. But there was a time we were number one. That's like shocking for a state as wealthy as, as Maryland. Yeah. And we got that that down also. Um, there have been so many areas where you see this, but it happens um, over decades. One other one is infant mortality. So there was a time when infant mortality rates were, we were always in the worst five states of the country, and that has also come down. So you keep at it, and over time you see these things, and these are the things that keep public health people going, because even though people don't really know what is the infant mortality, they don't know any of that, we know, you know, babies yeah. are living because of these efforts. Wow. Gives you chills. Now you want to go into public health. <laughs> well, because we bring up the infant, infant mortality rate, I know 
when we lost our first starter, that was 2000. And they said at that time the, the rates were high for you know, stillborns. They don't know what it was. Couldn't mm-hmm. figure it out. And, but, and I've always been watching that, and it has gone down, you know, which is – so that yeah, that would I, I I never would have thought about that. So, so we've been talking about oh, we can develop these new programs, mm-hmm. but public health goes beyond just developing new programs. So just in the area of infant health. Yeah. So one of the things we worked at in the state was, so you have different hospitals all throughout the state, and some are like Hopkins University. They're like the level three and level four higher hospitals. Mm-hmm. Then you have more of the community hospitals. I think Upper Chesapeake here is like a level two. Then you have more of the rural ones, level ones. There was a time when that whole designation of hospitals for delivering babies did not even exist in in Maryland. So I can remember driving into work one day, and I was listening to a, a radio ad, <laughs> and the hospital saying, "Oh, we are a level three tertiary care center." I'm like, "There is no such thing as that," and, and so you're kind of like lying on the radio. So what we did was really worked hard to actually put these things into regulations. Now hospitals can't go around saying, oh, we can deliver the sickest babies or anything. you got to follow standards. Right. So one of the things that helped is now babies, high-risk babies, will be born at the right hospitals. Lower risk can be born at others. That has helped tremendously in reducing the infant mortality rate. So that's more like a, like a law. Yeah. So there's a lot of different ways public health works. Wow. Why did you get into public health? Well, we know why you did. Well, yeah. We'll go around the table. Yeah, I think we all have, like, different, I think we have different stories. Main thing, so when I was in college, I really wanted to be a doctor. And because I really wanted to do the tertiary, the tertiary care, which is, like, right. basically they have the disease, they're going to die, let's figure out, like, what we can do at this point. So I really thought that was it. And then... My um, sophomore year of college, I went to, I was from Allentown, Pennsylvania. I went and had my first internship with the Allentown Health Bureau because I really wanted to get into like some of the health field and check that out. And they asked me to do something. They wanted me to head this. It's, it was the uh, Fruits and Veggies on the Move program. So what it was was this white pickup truck with fruits and vegetables. And I would drive around Allentown, which I was extremely comfortable with because that's right. where I was born and raised. And I would give out fruits and vegetables to inner city kids in Allentown at this at our playground programs. So I was like, you Great know idea. what? I thought, yeah, I was, I was, I was really happy because when I was younger, I was also in this program and. So I was ecstatic. First day on the job, I um, had to go to all the grocery stores. I had to pick up the fruits and vegetables. I had these huge colanders, put it in the back of the truck, and then drive to the playground. I remember clearly the first thing we did, or the first uh, fruit and vegetable we gave that week was a nectarine and sugar snap peas. Two really good. So sugar snap peas. Sugar snap peas? Yes. They like the green... <laughs> They look, uh, they look, it looks like the little pea pods. I yeah, know snap peas, but I never heard of a sugar snap pea. It's, yeah. It's, okay. They're really, they're delicious. Yeah. Okay. Hummus, so, yeah. Or fries. Yeah. Ranch and everything. <laughs> so, I, you know, I was really lucky when I was growing up. I was really lucky when I was growing up to have my parents kind of introduce me to a different type, like all these different types of fruits and vegetables. Mm-hmm. I love nectarines. So, I got to the playground and... I was getting ready. Put I we had these clear plastic cups. Was filling them with the fruits and the vegetables to give to the kids. Gave them my first cup to the kid, and the kid looks at me and goes, 
oh joy, an apple. And at that moment, I didn't realize like, oh my God, this kid has no idea what I'm giving him right now. And then it, it just continued. Every kid that I was giving him wow. a cup, he didn't, they didn't realize that I was giving them a nectarine. So it was became that it became now growing into just like education with those kids, teaching them different types of fruits and vegetables, um, where they can get them, you know, how they can eat them, like different ways to prepare them. And so that continued, and I was the fruit and vegetable lady for the next like five years after that. I wouldn't be able to do it. See, I'm a sap. That would have brought tears to my but eyes. I know. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it was it was really hard. I mean, and it continued because the point of the program was kind of continuing to introduce them to different fruits and vegetables. That's a great And then the goal was to have them go back to their parents and say, hey, I ate a plum today at, when I was at, um, when I was at the playground, like I really want to get these. And so that would continue and continue. And that was, I went back to to school that next um, semester, dropped pre-med and then decided I wanted to get my master of public health. And that's kind of, that's kind of what moved me. See, and aren't you happy you did that now? I'm extremely happy. If it wasn't, things happen for a reason, so well, I was glad All I was of a sudden, you got, that. Ryan, you're going to get a call from Halo. Hey, would you like to <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I want a mouth. Get an endorsement. Yeah. Get an endorsement. What about you, Shelby? Why'd you, why'd you get into it? So, I uh, I come from a small town, Chickasha, Oklahoma, and... Uh, I'm sorry, where? What? <laughs> C-H-I-C-K-A-S-H-A, Chickasha, 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 Oklahoma. Chickasha, Oklahoma. Yeah. <laughs> I get a lot of raised eyebrows I guess that says a lot. <laughs> I gotta ask, before you... What's the population of Chickasha? Uh, about 14,000. Really? Yeah. Oh, hey, that's so it's Yeah, there's a lot of farmland around, okay. so we kind of fill in there. <laughs> Um, so I left rural Oklahoma and went to school in the city and I had no idea what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to help people and I liked health. I loved psychology. I liked philosophy and ethics. I liked all these different things and I had no idea what public health was. And I was, yeah, I was a bio major at first and then I was taking all these other classes that were completely unrelated and I went into a human development class and my professor uh, had her PhD in public health, and she was talking about community level health and the social ecological model and how it plays into human development and families and trauma and resiliency. And I said, that's what I'm doing. And I turned around, I walked to the uh, counselor's office, I got the change of major slip, and I changed it that day. And then I just fell more and more in love with it. That was in 2011. Um, and then I did my undergrad in public health and psychology, and then I did my master's of public health in the University of North Texas. And um, I don't know, I've been really fortunate because I thought, oh, I get to do everything in public health. And I really have gotten to do everything. I've done uh, children's health. Um, like safe swim lessons, teen pregnancy prevention, sexual assault prevention, family health, behavioral mental health, and then even some like health education with like the school similar to what Rania did, but not quite as cool. I didn't get a drug, so <laughs> I, I didn't get a cool drug. But I don't know. So I, it was like one of those things where she was just talking about it, and it sounded like they did so much. And then I get into the field, and I realize, oh my gosh, we do so much. And I guess because I didn't want to pick one thing, I, I felt. But you were already in college and didn't real and didn't know what public. Health I had was. no idea. I came from this small town, wow. and I thought in order to help people, kind of like how Rania mm-hmm. said she was pre med. I thought, 
oh, I guess I'll do bio because I can go into some type of health field because right. that's the only way you can help people is being a doctor in my in my young, naive mind. And then I found public health, and I fell in love with it. So I've been really fortunate to get to do everything, as I say. So. Wow. What about you, Mallory? <laughs> my story is pretty much similar to Shelby's. I was required to take public health in my undergrad program, which oh. was health sciences and um, pre-pharmacy. Okay. Didn't go through with the pharmacy, but I was I was forced to take public health, and I was you know kind of indifferent about it. And I ended up I was in tears after the first class. I just thought this is the coolest, really the coolest class I've ever seen. <laughs> My teacher was so enthusiastic. So yeah, I went and pretty much changed straight away. I only got a minor because it was so late in the game. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, and then I got my first job working for the Centers for Disease Control right out of college. And I remember going to that campus in Atlanta, Georgia, and just like this fangirl. And I was so excited. We went to the EOC, the um, Emergency Operations Center, and I just thought, all these people... <laughs> this is this is where it's at, yeah. <laughs> and um, just the whole experience has been amazing. And then I got to come back to Maryland because I'm from Maryland, right? And I've really felt at home working here and getting to do, like you said, getting to do everything, a little bit of everything, has been really awesome. I just how many are because you you three went to college for this. Were there a lot of people in your classes that wanted to get into public health? Well, my. Not really. My under so my undergrad degree, since I couldn't get a public health degree, I ended up going to get my master's in it. Um, nobody in my undergrad really knew what public health was, and it was and it was really awesome because um, because of my interest when I was in undergrad, it actually shaped my undergrad school to form a kind of somewhat of like a health science humanita- humanitarian like public health undergrad minor. So to kind of see like that transition was really cool and now I'm talking to people that are going to my undergrad um, college and they're getting into public health so it's it's becoming a thing people are yeah Yeah. people are really catching on I mean I really think I don't want to say this is like a new degree but it almost is in a way because a lot of people now that you see that work in public health that are um, older than us they never had a public health degree they were nurses, they were psychology majors, they were biology majors, and they kind of got into this public health realm and they got shaped by um, their, their work. And now they're, now they're seeing that. Um, basically, it's the, we need to create this, we have this degree now and we want to start hiring. I mean, it goes into like workforce development and right. our, our public health accreditation board. It's basically, it's, it's important to start hiring people who have these like public health background, or public health degrees as we do, and it's going to continue to shape um, your job and your work environment and kind of help you do all the good work. Now, what about you, Molly? Well, my story is way different. From me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I didn't know about public health. I had no desire. Oh, really? I mean, it just it cracks me. Really, up you can't tell. Well, no, but it cracks me up because you know, before you didn't know about public health. But first of all, I want to say, you know, thank you to all of you for getting into it because I think it's just cool. You know, as young as you guys are, you're, you're getting, you show a passion for it. I think that's awesome. I'm sorry, Mal. Oh, no, I, I mean, fine. Molly, go ahead. You Mallory and Molly, we got to stop. <laughs> we get to what we see is fun. Yeah. I, yeah. um, I actually wanted to be um, um, like a newscaster. 
Oh, I would have never guessed that. Yeah. So I just like you know wanted to be Oprah, and then <laughs> she is Oprah, not yeah. And then um, you know like reality set in. I did graduate like with a journalism degree, and um, I got a job at a TV station. I thought that was like the best thing in the world, and then. It just, like, wasn't very fulfilling. And I was really interested in health, so I went back to school to get my master's. I never finished, but um, but I'm still paying my loans. And, <laughs> and I'll be paying them for, like, ten more years. Um, but um, to go back and just to – I got a job at a, um, a drug testing company that would test – um, anybody who tested positive for substance in airway, railroad workers, um, CDL drivers, and like that, oh, to wow. go through this special program um, to get clean to return to work. So I was basically like the intake person for them. So um, that was just really eye-opening in, in behavioral health. And then um, I got laid off from that job, was bartending for a few, and then this um her resume sounds like mine (laughs) (laughs) um and then my position became available i had heard that the health department was looking for somebody for social media and and website needs so i kind of just like fell into it but i really was interested in health i mean that's what i went back to school for health education actually in the school system um and then i just kind of fell into this position so it kind of meets both because I am the communications person for the health department, so it kind of fulfills my role as a journalism major and marketing and all that, but also, you know, fulfills my interest in health. So. For those of you listening, technically, Molly is still a newscaster because she does public health matters on the <laughs> County yeah. Network. Yeah. So. There's my plug. Harper County Network. Cable Network. Harvard Cable Network. Harvard Cable Network. Yeah. Cable Network. Public Health Matters. I'll make a big one day. You'll see. <laughs> <laughs> like, Doctor, well, I got to ask you. I mean, doesn't it? I mean, but do you feel good that you have a staff that shows that much passion uh, for it? Absolutely, absolutely. Because one day I'm going to be off and retired. Retired. <laughs> <laughs> and these guys have got He's to never pick it up. <laughs> Wait a minute. Who's going to take your position? Yeah. Right. One of them. Uh, figure it out. <laughs> yeah. But it's great working for with the with. You know, everybody here, obviously, but the three, um, Rania, Shelby, and Mallory, because they have such a background in public health, and I don't, so I am constantly, I almost feel like it's more of a struggle for me to really conceptualize um, areas of public health, because I just, I I don't have that, that background, the education, but having other people that do know and offer such a wealth of knowledge it's helpful i'm gonna have to do another podcast and just ask each person that works here how they got yeah. it. that's yeah. interesting that's uh, and we'll start down with mallory this time okay what's the most rewarding thing that that you've had since working here at the Hartford county health department that's hard um I think since I get so little time to interact with the public, I, th- I want to say that it was the focus group that we did last week, um, seeing those moms and their young kids right. come into this place, and you just see their eyes light up, and the kids are excited, and they're running around. And these, these women are so thankful and so appreciative to have this safe, spi- safe space to come to that, I mean, for me, that was... 
it really makes you feel good. And right. It makes you proud of what of what you're doing and the hard work that these guys have put into it. So Out of the ones that came there, how many of them, did they all know about you? Well, they knew about you guys because they had to come here, but did you ask them how many of them knew before they came here? So they're all involved in other programs uh, in the okay. health department that are now going to be integrated into this center. Uh, okay. So they had had at least a few months' experience mm -hmm. with our, either our uh, peer specialists or or um, our home visiting program. Okay. So, but this is their first time seeing the space. Shelby, what about you? Don't you dare give me the same answer. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really glad you asked me first. <laughs> yeah, I've been here for like two years. That's fine. <laughs> Oh, well, okay, you're yeah. allowed to then, I guess. So I, yeah, so I'm still in my first year at this health department, and I've, I've had a really good experience. I think that, um, like, professionally rewarding, one of the things is that I'm always learning something. I'm something That's something in public health is you're always a student, eternally a student. Um, something that that's one good. of my early professors impressed upon me that just keeps coming up every time we interface with the public is that we are not the experts. Our community is the ex like they are the experts. Ah. They teach us what they need. They teach us what it is to live their lives and it's always it's just always such a privilege to gain insight from them and to be able to hear their stories because that shapes how I do my job. And that's how it that's how my job should be shaped is because of what the community needs. And I think that so those moments of where we get to interface with the community and I get to get that reality check of I'm not an expert, like these are the experts and they're telling me, those are the most rewarding moments for me. So like the focus group and um, anytime that we meet community members and they give us feedback or they share their struggles with us right. and then I get to say like, oh my God, like this is why I'm doing this. And those, those cool. are the rewarding moments. So, What about you, Rania? So it's... It's not really pay. I, I have a good follow for those too. But so, um, a f I guess what is it? A few weeks ago, there it there was the um, Project Homeless Connect project, oh, yes. which that was um, that was put on by the United Way of Central Maryland, mm -hmm. I believe. And I was um, lucky enough to attend that um, event, and I was there to kind of just I was there to talk to the community, see what, you know, their needs are, what they think of the health department, um, what do they not know, what do they do know, what are the issues that are um, surrounding Harford County. And it was great because we had a lot of services that the health department offered at this event. And just kind of taking a step back and looking at just the amount of people that we served at that event right. and the need for us to me, I thought that was just like that day after I walked out. I mean, I, used, I still have to put everything in my head, but it's just, there's just so much that we do that really does help the residents of Harvard County. And that was a really, just the, attending that event was a huge. That was a first, that was your first time going? That was it? my first time going to really? that. And that, even just the lines outside yeah. the door to me was, I, I was, I, I was speechless. It was a really, it was a really great event. And I think that was just to see. I mean, we had a lot of tables there offering. I mean, we were doing the birth certificates. Um, I think, I don't know if we were doing death certificates. We did Hepsi testing. Yeah. Um, we had our um, Maryland Children's Health Program there, help, helping, helping people up with insurance. And it was just, I mean, it was just amazing. Wow. Molly? Um, I would say just knowing that somehow you're making a difference in someone's life. I don't personally touch people, you know, in a program per se, but just being able to maybe educate them somehow. But 
personally, it's been rewarding because it kind of helped me to just break down judgments that you have or your perceptions towards different people. Helping to understand that different barriers that somebody might have um, right. for, you know, you know, not having access to care or a barrier with payment or, you know, something from somebody who lived like a, you know, probably sheltered life compared to other people, but just like <clears throat> dropping those judgments and just trying to help understand, understand the process of getting the services they need. Can, can I supplement mm -hmm. Molly's? Uh, well, yeah, I was going to ask you next, but yes. <laughs> no, 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 supplement Molly's answer. <laughs> so before Molly joined us, our website was barely alive. We had no Facebook presence. We had no uh, Instagram links here and didn't exist back in those days. We had a, a, a Twitter. Uh, Instagram. All of that stuff, Molly helped put together and kind of put us back into the 21st century. Right. And we need to do that to answer the very question you're asking. Does the community even know what public health is? So that was a fantastic, great advance for this health department. I didn't realize that you actually do the website. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in a short answer, yeah. It's a good, it's a, it's a good local website. I didn't, um, it's just like a, oh, it's always a work in progress. It's so yeah. hard. Ryan and I were just talking about this yeah. yesterday, how difficult it is to keep up with the amount of changes on the website. Mm -hmm. Um, we have somebody that kind of does the look of the website. We kind of tell them what we are looking for, maybe structurally, organizationally. For the most part, we can kind of organize it, but um, just the amount of information. Like when Dr. Moy says the website was non-functional, I mean, I couldn't even, for my interview, go on to the website to get background I didn't what? know what like I didn't know this is I didn't know anything that the health department did. So I'm going to an interview for this job to try and like prepare about the health department. And my first interview question was like, what is public health? And I'm like, beats me. Like I couldn't even get on your website to like I couldn't even get on your website to look at it. Like so but what <laughs> You must have come up with something. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty good on the fly, but um, <laughs> no. I mean, I knew, you know, I knew like the general, the basis, but not the extent. I could have answered so much better that question. You but, come but it, it was great because for my interview, I got to go on the website and I was able yeah, to so look. She was able to look and see the history of like, yeah, of, like what we do here. Um, Cheater. <laughs> no, it's not called cheating. It's using yeah. your resources <laughs> wisely. Yeah. But again, it's so hard if you look at other websites, you know, throughout the state and everything. And then think about how often trends change. So the trend right now on the website is going to change next year. And then having the resources to stay up to speed with other websites make them relevant. And with this round of, of website, Dr. Moy actually had a lot of input on what the website look like and how information is going to be fed through our services and um but it's just a constant upkeep right public health is always changing it is <laughs> always changing i mean something simple as like yesterday there was like a phone number problem of a page that like isn't even posted on there anymore but it was just kind of like in the back end so the only way you would be able to find it is if you actually googled that well, then you're like, well, my gosh, what else is anybody Googling and getting yeah. the wrong information for when this page hasn't been even, like, up on the website for, what, it was, like, three years? I mean, it's just, yeah. like, stuff like that. It's just tedious. It's, yeah. 
But so long story, yes, I do the website. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Boy, what was the most rewarding thing for you besides having Molly come in and redo the website? <laughs> oh, yeah. So a compilation of all these things, and the compilation of all these things is, so we are one of 244 health departments in this whole country, and there's over there's 3,000. So only 244 of 3,000 health departments have been accredited. Received Public Health Accreditation Board uh, accreditation. Wow! And so, and when we got it, we first got it in 2015. We were one of like 60, so we were like in the top two percent of all health departments in this country, because that's a hard thing to get is to get public wow. health accreditation. That's awesome. And that's just a reflection of all the work that these guys and all the guys you've been talking with over the last several months. If we weren't able to do all those things, right. we would not have gotten that. And so that's probably one of the prouder uh, accomplishments as an entire department uh, to be able to do that. Now, we, we have to get reaccredited <laughs> in January of, the, of 2020, and these guys <laughs> are doing everything possible to help us get that. And, and they will tell you, that's not easy. <laughs> I was going to say, now, what's involved with that? Oh, my gosh. I'll tell them a little. It's like it's a lot of writing. It's a lot of writing. A lot of writing. But weekly grueling yeah. sessions. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Four hours. Four meetings. Four meetings once a week. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. And to piggyback on what Dr. Moy was saying, like these, those three haven't been through accreditation yet, so it's like. It's such a stressful process. I think for me personally, too, I'll just say that was kind of rewarding to be a part of that process because um, being fairly new, I think I was only here for like a year and I was able to like complete my area with the help of other people. But within that year, you learned well. about public health. Work I too. did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because then I had to go, like, I had to you know, include staff in the process and just get them engaged in, in accreditation. I mean, that was like a huge, I just remember we had, then we had an open house for staff afterwards and it was just such a good morale booster for staff because it was all of their hard work paid off. Right. You know, we became an accredited health department. Um, you know, we were really proud of that. So. Uh, God, I don't, I, I hate this question, but I guess well, there has to be it, some things. Ah. Uh, no, I'm not going to ask that. You can ask. What is it? Uh, the most good. disheartening thing about working in public health. Oh. That's, um, that's easy, actually. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think seeing struggle, I mean, seeing the struggles of, of families or somebody's needs are different than your needs and not even being able to imagine your life as hard as somebody else's mm-hmm. life. Like, you're... Like, my complaints and worries are nothing compared to what people struggle and go through. Somebody always has it worse. Yeah, and I think, so it's pretty grounding to to see that. Somebody just is like a, like a ride. Something that's just as simple as we take advantage of, of just being able to get in our car and drive somewhere. Right. Yeah, I mean, I actually agree. I guess it's just frustrating because we have so much information about the things that that can be put into place to help people. Mm-hmm. And it's so hard to, to put some of those changes into policy. And I think a lot of times mm-hmm. that, um, you know, when we help people and we educate them, that's when changes start to happen, but it's just frustrating getting to that right. point. Mm-hmm. When you think, you know, that we might have the answers to, to make those population-based changes and getting through 
the whole political um, scene is probably the most frustrating yeah. thing yeah. when it comes to that. You know, with, with stuff like vaccines and requiring vaccines. Yeah. With that happening. So those are the things that I think about, or fluoridating the water. Mm-hmm. That those things could have been put into place way before and eradicated a lot of things. But now it's just new technology that's coming up that, you know, it's kind of an uphill battle to make lasting changes like yeah. that. That's frustrating. Yeah, I definitely think that there are a lot of times when, again, like we see the issues and we see all of the possible solutions and then we feel as if our hands are tied or there's a lot of pushback um, mm-hmm. to where those changes won't be accepted, even though we can kind of see like the greater good of it. <laughs> and, kind of, and even when we have the community on board for a lot of those things, and it's, there will be a lot of obstacles in our way. But luckily we have a really good team that is willing to find a way and like luckily we have someone like Dr. Moy who's a really good leader and making a way <laughs> not only yeah. finding a way he will make a way to make <laughs> things happen so I think that that yeah. it's disheartening um whenever you're in those moments but it's kind of that's what public health is it's like you little daily battles sometimes <laughs> yeah yeah and so yeah I know I don't, I don't want to make this like any like more depressing but I think another <laughs> disheartening <laughs> thing is is that I, I get like goes back to like us presenting like the stuff that works like our, the evidence based mm-hmm. things. We tire tirelessly work hard to put out that real information in the community, and because of the world we live in, I mean like technology and public health. That's a theme for Thursday, April fourth of like National Public Health Week, and it, it's I mean it's a, it's a great topic to focus on because yeah, there's so much out there. I mean, it's just crazy. I mean, you Google one thing and there's like 5 million pages just on one single topic that could come up. And that's also could be 5 million pages on the web, on the internet that right. could present to someone and they're going to say, oh my God, well, yeah, vac- vaccinations are going to give my kid autism, but it's not the real information. And we're out here tirelessly putting out this real information. And when there's, it's, you get, you, it's still hard. You get a lot of pushback from people. So... See, and I think that's one thing that's frustrating about the internet. Mm-hmm. It's good for what, for what you guys. Well, it's good for a lot of things, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's also bad because yeah, you do Google something. Mm-hmm. How do you know what's true, what's not true? Mm-hmm. Sorry, yes, Abe Lincoln really did not have a cell phone. But it's but you're right with like what you mentioned with autism. There's um, and you see so many different remedies yeah. for things. Oh, we talked about HPV too. That was yeah. we made a whole podcast on that too as well. But, but what scares me, most people will rely on what they see on the internet mm-hmm. instead of mm-hmm. say picking up the phone, call the health department, mm-hmm. and ask somebody that knows. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, call the CDC, yeah. call some. It, it just ugh, yeah. that I mean, scares people me. might think they don't. You know, people don't trust. Agent, like government agencies so it's like mm-hmm. you would call the CDC but like the CDC I mean just scrolling on their Facebook page to see how many yeah. people think the CDC is this huge conspiracy <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so you know to them it's kind of like their information is the is the, is the source yeah. on the internet that was it's false information it's been a huge topic that we've all talked about lately it's like the media it's called media literacy and it's a huge thing that we're starting to kind of get out into the community about because like you said it's true there's a lot of people and like molly said they're they're going onto these websites and they're not understanding what they're reading right and it's kind of you know a, a future step for us to kind of 
educate the public on what is the right thing to read, who are the right people to kind of contact, mm -hmm. and you know, how do you communicate that to other people too as well. Communication is also a huge key because um, you know, there's a lot of research out there, but not everybody has a master's degree. They're not all doctors. They can't understand the research. So they might see one line in a research article that says, I don't know, eating bacon gives you cancer. And then automatically that is like headlines everywhere for here, headlines everywhere for here. And then it's hard for us because then we have to kind of say, okay, this is kind of what this research says and this is how you should interpret it. Yeah. It had too many headline readers out there. Yeah. And unfortunately, if you don't adapt to that and put the, well, and I have to do it with the podcast and the stories I put. If I don't mm -hmm. put a goofy headline out there, something that's going to grab somebody's attention, they're not going to click on it and read it. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's sad, but it's true. That's the only way you get people to really do their research on stuff. You mentioned focus groups. Mm -hmm. How many, do you guys do focus groups a lot? Not as much as we'd like. Right. Okay. So we did, I think we did four or five last year um, for a rural health grant. But this year we're going to start doing more, especially with, with opening up some new services. Because mm -hmm. it's so important to get feedback on our work. Um, so we'll be ramping that up a little bit more. But we've, we've done a few in the past few years. Are you allowed to say what new services you're going to be opening up? So one of them I mentioned earlier is Megan's Place. It's a meaningful environment to gather and nurture. And Megan's Place right now consists of three of our programs with the health department. We have our care coordination program, which is kind of the overarching um, scope of this new service. Uh, we also have Healthy Families America, which is a home visiting program, and Helping Families Recover, which is a peer recovery support program specifically for mothers um, that are struggling with substance use disorder. So this is a place where women that are struggling with substance use disorder, um, that are pregnant, may become pregnant, or are mothers, um, can come and seek resources. Anyone currently involved in Healthy Families America uh, is being informed about it, and they can seek resources. And then we will later on open it up to the larger community for more wraparound services and care coordination needs to be met. So um, moms can come in and participate in like group sessions, so like types of group therapy session with a peer recovery specialist. They can talk about, um, have some like group networking. The kids have a safe place to play. There's a lactation room. There's um, connection to services like WIC, family planning, um, some of our That's other great. health services. They can, they're right there by the community, uh, community action agency. So what we envision is that this is going to be a, play, a safe place for families to come and get the resources they need to strengthen themselves and strengthen their families. So. That's awesome. Yeah, there's a lot, of, and then there's also going to be a transportation component, and we're yes. really excited about that. Right. So it's a work in that one's a work in progress. We've already opened it up to those families and those programs, and there'll be more news about that. Um, it's going to have to be another podcast. Yeah, we will. Yeah, yeah. Be open. yeah, okay. yeah I have to stop myself because I can talk about this all day. <laughs> <laughs> what? Any other services you can tell us about yet? That's going to be open now. So, so I, um, one of the partnerships we have is with the hospital and county government. Okay. So there's a, a new place, Hartford Crisis Center, right there on the 802 uh, um, Baltimore National Pike. Okay. And right now, there's it's a 24-7 hotline is open, but um, 
in a couple of months, there will actually be a walk-in crisis and stabilization center, 24-7. That means, so if a person is hesitant about going to the emergency room, right, and they just, they just they have issues and they just need help or counseling or stabilization or whatever, this 24-7 place, they can go there, there'll be counselors there, there'll be peer recovery specialists, there'll be all kinds of resources, because the issue is, right now, um, if you're having a problem 3 a.m., the only place to go is the emergency room. Right. This is more of an outpatient kind of place that you can go any time of day, and then those folks can hook, can link you up with services or stabilize you. So let's say you're in withdrawals, they can help you there. And eventually, there will even be um, some short-term residential beds there just in case you need to stay overnight or something like that. Really? So this is something that, like, as I said, the county government, the hospital is a big player, but the health department is also partnering with them. And so this is one of those group projects that's really big in Hartford County because probably our top priority, one of our top priorities, <coughs> health priorities, is the overdose crisis. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we have to have something pretty significant to address that, and that is one of the, the more significant things. Wow. There's this actually a billboard up yet starting yesterday mm -hmm. for a month directly across from where the crisis center is. That's going to be the first one in the can. Is there anything like that in the state? Or so this is, my understanding is this is the first one that combines both addictions and mental health. So it's an integrated system. So it's not just for folks having drug problems. It's for folks having mental health issues. Right. And so as far as an integrated behavioral health 24-7 crisis center, my understanding is this is the first one in the state. Wow. That is, it's that's, big. yeah, that's huge. I mean, that's going to be, a, 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 I think, a big help. Because mm -hmm. you're right, a lot of people don't like to go to the emergency room. Right. You know, um, <laughs> you know, most of them think you're going to go there and you're going to wait and wait and wait. Because you do. Well, you, <laughs> well, 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 yeah. <laughs> but see, the other issue is you might go there. Yeah. And, and they just want to be sure you're you're alive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're not going to detox you. Right, they're not going to treat you. Besides making sure you're medically stable, and then they send you home, but you're still not okay. Yeah. Well, and you're not going to get a counselor if you go to the emergency room. Right. So what we hope will happen is somebody does show up in the emergency room and they're medically stable. They'll send them to this to our twenty four seven uh, crisis walk center to to really be stabilized, not just medically, but if they need counseling or they need overnight stay or something like that. So this, wow. this this fills a big gap in this in this county. So you guys, I mean, you just you're adding on and getting out there helping the community even more. But we're still having we still have the problem where the word's not getting out to the community. Too many people still don't know about you. Right. So, so you're asking what's one of the more frustrating things here. So as I said, the overdose crisis. It, and even though we're doing things. The number of deaths are increasing yeah. every year. So, over the last five years, the number of overdose deaths has increased 180 percent in Hartford County. Whoa! So, and even from 2017, 2018, the final numbers aren't in yet, but it will probably still increase. So now the rate has slowed, the rate of increase has slowed, but the absolute numbers are still still going up. That's the frustrating thing. That, that takes a lot of resources, it takes dollars, it takes, and it takes community will. Aware, yeah. Community will. So if you want to know about some frustrating things, so 
deaths are increasing. So now we're really looking at all those strategies that other counties, other states, other countries have used, and there's a lot of controversial interventions right. that sometimes um, <coughs> people, when they hear about it, they automatically just t turn off. So we just came from a meeting. <laughs> so mm -hmm. we'll, we'll make this a controversial uh, uh, podcast for you. <laughs> <laughs> so we were talking about um, syringe services for so you probably have heard about this in other places where you know needle exchange, mm -hmm. and and so the good thing about something like needle exchange is, wh what it does is it takes dirty needles off the street. Right. Now it's true we're basically saying, uh, you know, we're not this person is still con going to continue using drugs, but at least it's a clean needle. At least the rate of hepatitis and, and HIV will go down. At least the person is coming into the clinic. At least we can try to encourage them every time you need treatment. So it's just a way of getting them in, and yet that's such a controversial strategy. Yeah. A lot of people would probably immediately just say, not, no way, not, not here. So talk about frustrating. That's evidence-based. There's research that supports it. Other places are doing it. But that's very controversial. I mean, you know, I think it's controversial too because a lot of people think that there's a solution out there where you can basically just one solution, you snap your fingers, mm -hmm. you know, drug use is gone. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, it, it it doesn't happen. It'd be nice, mm -hmm. but it doesn't happen that way. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's you're right. You guys, it's like a baby. Sorry for looking at you, Molly, but you know, you know, we ain't a baby off the bottle or whatever. It's the same thing with you know, with somebody who uses drugs. It's like you gotta wean them off. Is that the right word? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wean them off of it. You know, so it, it's. Uh, but think so, about from like last year, the discussion around opioids. Last year, the year before, people were talking about it all the time. There was front page stories all yeah. the time in the news every day. Now it's kind of like people are kind of jaded to the sense of that this is still happening, you know, people working in the field know obviously this is still a, a problem, but I think in the community it's just not, it's almost accepted that it's like, well, this is just kind of the way of life now because... Well, it's that, but I think a lot of it has to do with the media too, pushing other things in, mm -hmm. in people's faces, mm -hmm. you know, and... I always say that the media tries to get people to forget about some of the really bad things by pushing other things, other things in front of them. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just the way I've always yeah. believed, you know. But it's it's that. Mm -hmm. One other question for y'all. Uh, we'll start with you this time, Doctor. We'll go around the other way. One thing that you would like to, and you've already actually hit a couple of things, new services, but. One thing that you would like to see change with the health department, if anything. So it's changing every day. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> and that change needs to continue and probably more uh, uh, proactively. So right now, you know, we have to be careful with funding, with politics, mm -hmm. with all of these things. But one day if the community gets to actually know who we are... <laughs> and what we do. And if we can demonstrate successes in certain areas, that will give them a lot more confidence that when we come up with more controversial solutions <laughs> or ideas, right. that we can be a trusted partner. <laughs> and then they'll say, well, we know that they work pretty well in those three projects. 
This fourth one sounds a little iffy, but we'll give them the benefit of the doubt because we know them. That's what we really need. We really need to be known in the community and we and our successes and our good work and good workers and everything. That needs to get out there because that will help us so much more with all the future projects. Right. And that's why we're so grateful you are here <laughs> to to help us and articulate more, that. You need more community input too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think is you know, one of the things. Yeah. Your term Molly. Oh, just probably exactly what Dr. Moy said, but just really getting being able to get our services out there, mm-hmm. having people understand what we do. Not just know, but understand what we do and how we're here to help and not necessarily propose a, a, a different barrier. I know I'm going to piggyback off of them, but I think it's all about <laughs> like sustainab- like just sustainability. That's a big word today is piggybacking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's usually what we, what we do now. I think just sustainability is really important for us because we, we want to keep functioning as a health department. We want to keep right. helping people. So um, the more people know about our services, the more they can access our services, the more that we can continue to create services that are going to help the public. We're here to serve the public. The public needs to tell us what they need, so we're going to help give them what they need. Okay, I'm not going to take that. Okay, I, not that I don't agree. I agree with everything you said, but I, ha- I feel like I have to be original here. Um, <laughs> the pressure. Um, no, I. This is kind of a weird answer, but I would really kind of like back to what I said earlier about breaking down silos. I would really like to see people in our health department like realize how connected everything that we you know do is to one another and to each other's kind of field. And I would like to see. I would like to see more people from diverse backgrounds just entering into the health department. Right. I would like to see young graduates coming in. Um, I know I was really fortunate to have a strong undergraduate program in community public health, and they trained us specifically for working in health departments and working in nonprofit organizations, but that's not a norm across the country. Like, they're not specifically, they don't have that partnership at a lot of schools, and I think that some young people are intimidated by, like, the health department, like, oh, that's something I do when I'm older, or, like, that's something I do after I have all this experience, but this is where you get that experience, and I would love to see like young professionals here and people here and you know giving us their new lens from their educations and their fields and like kind of developing a, you know, a really strong diverse workforce so that we can keep offering these services that was my answer <laughs> so yeah i think continuing to actively recruit new graduates and keep them here um because i've met some of the most passionate and competent people (laughs) while I've been working at this health department and, you know, a lot of the new leaders that are coming up Mm -hmm. and becoming program directors, bureau directors are, like, that's this is the future of public health and it's happening right now. So I think getting more people in that share that same passion is going to be really important. All right, I lied. That's not the last question. Um, Because, well, no, you brought up a good point with getting more younger people to know. I don't even know if the high schools even do a career day anymore. Some of them some do. Some have, because you guys are young. I mean, have, has anybody actually asked you to come to the high schools and talk for career day or anything like that? So, not these guys, but in Harford County Public Schools, I think a few of the schools in high schools have public health courses. Okay. So there have been some interactions with them 
um, but that needs to be uh, expanded and, and built on. So mm -hmm. it has, it's not yet developed, but the potential is there. Well, let me ask you this then, because most of you know I'm with the Lions, and then mm -hmm. our young Lions are the leaders from 12 to 18. And one of the, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the things they have to do to um, qualify for a scholarship that we do for them is put together their own service project and run it. Mm -hmm. One of the Leos, kudos to him, wants to do a career day mm -hmm. and invite professionals to come out and talk to all the different kids about it. Would you guys be interested in doing that? Oh, yeah, we would love that. Okay. We would do that. Because, I, I mean, I think that's key. I mean, if you guys didn't know about it, you were already in college. Yeah. Yeah. I guarantee you, a lot of these kids in high school have no idea yeah. what public health is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Definitely no? not in high school. Definitely not. Yeah. Definitely not high school. No. But college, we get a couple, like, web inquiries, I'd say, monthly about students mm -hmm. um, in their graduate programs or undergrad looking for internships here. Right. That's good then. Yeah. Yeah, we've got a call this afternoon actually, so Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, so is they, that they is that my cue to hurry up? No, no. Oh. <laughs> they kinda trickle in. But it's fun being able to talk to kids that are figuring out what they want to do. Well, I do have a goal this year and that is to well, I know I can't get everybody in Hartford County to know about it. But I definitely wanted it'd be nice if I could double the number of how many people in the county know that what the health department does, you know, and that's that's my goal for you guys. But we appreciate you. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate well, thank you. Um, going around one more time. Last question, I guess. Mallory, we're starting with you this time. Mm -hmm. um, what would you like the listeners to know about the Harford County Health Department? Besides everything else you already uh, said. I mean, I think if you need resources, we've either got them or we know how to get them for you. So there should not be a wrong door that you come to if you come to the health department. We can hook you up. True. That's what I was going to say. So, <laughs> oh, there's um, no piggybacking on would, this question. So instead, <laughs> I would say um, if you have been weary about like getting health services or preventative health services, like. Don't be afraid. We're not some, like, scary government organization. It's not some sterile, awful clinic. You have warm, caring people here that um, want to help you and want to get you connected. And, yeah, you have you're more. You're more than yeah. just coming to get a certificate or a permit. Yeah. You're here to help right. people, individuals help as well. So, because I can't say what the, uh, um, so what I want people to know about the health department, we're on um, social media. We have a great website. Me, our, our website, sorry, Molly probably took your thing. Our website is www.harfordcountyhealth.com. So you can go visit us on that website. Um, we have a list of our services there that you could reach us. And we're also on social media. So we have Instagram, Twitter, at Harco. Harco Health DEPT, and same thing with the Twitter, and then on Facebook you can find us there. And you, Molly and I are always there. Yeah, we're always there answering questions. So if you have questions, you can always message us, and we usually try to get back to you. And so how many locations? We have six different locations. So we have like a lot. Two in Bel Air. <laughs> two in Bel Air. Mm -hmm. Two, one, in Edgewood, two in Edgewood, two in Edgewood, one in Havre de Grace. Two in Havre de Grace, yeah. Okay. So anybody that's listening, if they say they can't find out where the health department is, yeah. 
they need to check their Google Maps or something. <laughs> mm-hmm. And go yeah. on our website. And, go on our website. Yeah. Yeah. and scroll down. We have a couple pictures. Thanks well, to Dr. Moy. That was yeah. his idea. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> pictures of the locations so they can see what the building looks like. But, yeah, just follow <laughs> us on, on social media and our website because we post a ton of different information, not just one specific topic. It really varies. But if you have questions, you can always just ask us through our website, through our social media channels, Um, especially if you're kind of weary about coming in, like we can help you feel comfortable by answering your questions that way. Our response rate is very quick. For uh, for texting or? Um, We don't text, but. I mean like the Facebook (laughs) Messenger. Yeah, you get a lot of people coming through that way. You have Facebook, the website. Um, Rania pretty much does the Facebook um, responses, and I take care of the web inquiries that okay. come in. And we are responsive usually yeah. within the same, at least the same day. I would probably say like within the hour. <laughs> so, like Hartford County residents know that they have one of the strongest local health departments in this state. Of the 24 local departments in Maryland, only seven have received national accreditation, (laughs) and we are one of those seven. And then the second thing is but we are always wanting to improve. So there are suggestions for improving customer service. That's something that we we need. There's your community input. (laughs) (laughs) I want to thank you guys again, um, and thanks for giving me the opportunity to come out and talk to you because like I said I learn something new every time and I love it um, and Ryan is not picking on me as much I'm not. <laughs> we're friends uh, now <laughs> don't, don't push it no, <laughs> no but th- 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 seriously thanks again and again everybody listen if you have any questions call the health department you know go to the website social media they're on there there's several different ways to get in touch with somebody from here and if you have input too you know or suggestions send it send it to them um i mean i'm sure that somebody's definitely going to get in contact with you and if you need to get your license renewed and you need a new <laughs> birth certificate come up here it takes no time thanks again everybody thank you, thank you. When disco diva Dolores Van Cartier witnesses a murder, she is put in protective custody in the one place the cops are sure she won't be found, a convent. Disguised as a nun, she finds herself at odds with both the rigid lifestyle and uptight mother superior. Using her unique disco moves and singing talent to inspire the choir, Dolores breathes new life into the church and community, but in doing so, blows her cover. Soon the gang is given chase only to find them up against Dolores and the power of her newly found sisterhood. Filled with powerful gospel music, outrageous dancing, and a truly moving story, Sister Act will leave audiences breathless. A sparkling tribute to the universal power of friendship, Sister Act is reason to rejoice. And right now, the Scott Field Theater Company presents Sister Act April 5th, 6th, 7th, 12th, 13th and 14th at the Havity Grace Opera House. Go to hdgoperahouse.org to get your tickets now. So I am sitting here today. I have a young lady on that is a very talented photographer, Emily Adolph. And she's got something very special, especially if you run a nonprofit. Oh, she's got something special for you. But 
If you just need photography in general, you want to get a hold of her. Say, how you doing, Emily? I'm doing good, Rich. Thank you for having me on today. Oh, my pleasure. Tell us what it is that you are, this special that you're running. Yeah. so Special for special people because you're special, right? (laughs) I love it. Yeah. So what I'm offering is free photography services to nonprofits here in Harford County. And Mm -hmm. um, initially I was running it from now until the end of June, but what I've decided to do is extend it out. Um, So now I'm offering it from now until um, the end of August. So until August 31st, that, that, you know, weekend Um, figured, you know, it's a, it's a busy time of year season for Mm -hmm. nonprofits having events in the summertime. Um, But yeah, really just want to support, help nonprofits capture, you know, moments and, and the, um, experiences of the events that they're hosting without having to, you know, worry about funding the photographer. Um, so yeah, that's just a little bit about, you know, what I'm, I'm giving back to the community. Which is great because a lot of your nonprofits don't take photos of their events and they should be on their websites. I agree. You know, even for upcoming events, you know, it's nice if you had the photos from last year to, to ask, Hey, look, this is what we're doing. This is how good it is. Yeah. And also, but you also do other types of photography in case somebody wants to hire you, right? I do. Yeah, I do portraits, families, event, you know, other events, musicians, bands. Those are my my key focuses. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And how does somebody hire you? How do they get in touch with you? Yeah, they would just go to my website. So it's www.emilyadoff.com. So that's E M I L Y A D O L P H dot com. Well, first of all, thank you for doing that because that's awesome. And especially now, a lot of your nonprofits are struggling because you're just like all of us, inflation's hitting them hard. Yep. You know, and you have, you know, some venues around that shut down. So some of them are struggling to find a place. And here you are reaching out to help. And for those of you that don't know about Emily, this is Emily just loves to help people out. Yeah, I do. So. Help her out as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, hire her for your photography needs. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Emily. Thanks, Rich.